Please open it up to Acts chapter 11. I'll be reading Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And when he had found... And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. It's certainly... sing songs of redemption and pray and just know that we're with God and God is with us. Um, we had a good drive in this morning, driving by the duck pond. I saw one duck out there all by itself. But uh, it's always good to be able to gather gather Christians on the first day of the week, which is, you know, one of the great blessings of Christianity. Um, <clears throat> this morning, I want to look at the title of my sermon will be God's Definition of a Christian. And I want to read a few verses from the book of Acts chapter 11. In Acts chapter 11, we have the beginning of the church at Antioch. And Acts chapter 11, verse 19, I read, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. Now here's the verse I want to focus on this morning. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year... They assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now, there are various definitions given of a Christian. You talk, in general, you talk to people, and you might hear one definition given by one person and this definition given by another. But the only definition that's worthwhile is God's definition. And the reason for saying that this is God's definition is because of the meaning of the word in the original language which is translated called in Acts chapter 11, verse number 26. The word Christian is not simply a nickname that was given to these Christians at the church of Antioch. Um, In Weymouth translation... This verse reads, and it was at Antioch that the disciples first received the name Christian. Um, In Green's Greek-English lexicon, it says the Greek word rendered called implies a divine source 
to be divinely instructed, to receive a warning or revelation from God. Thayer's Greek lexicon, to give a response to those consulting an oracle, to give a divine command or admonition, to teach from heaven, to be divinely commanded, admonished, instructed, to be the mouthpiece of divine revelation, to promulgate the commands of God. So we see that this word called in Acts 26 refers to divine revelation. This word is found nine times in the New Testament. Um, it is found in Matthew chapter 2 in referring to the birth of Christ and the wise men coming to seek Christ. Um, Herod told the wise men, when you find him, you come and bring me word that I may worship him. Of course, he wanted to destroy Christ. And um, verse number 12, the same word that we find in Acts chapter 11, 26 that is translated called is found in all these verses that I'm going to look at. So verse 12 of Matthew chapter 2, it says, And being warned of God, now there it is, being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own way, into a country their own way. So that word warned there is the same word we have called in Acts chapter 26. Same chapter in reference to Joseph and Mary when they had fleed into Egypt. Um, they had to flee into Egypt. And when Herod had died, he was ready to go back into the land of Israel. Verse 22 says... Speaking of Joseph, but when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream. There it is again. He turned aside into the parts of Galilee. So we see again this word called from Acts eleven twenty six translated warned, and it's definitely referring to divine revelation here. The next verse we find it in is in the second chapter of Luke, again referring to the birth of Christ. Uh, and speaking of Simeon, that he would not see death or that he would not die before he saw Christ. In verse number 26 of Luke chapter 2, we read, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from... Um, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter here. Luke chapter 2, verse 26. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. There it is again, revealed. The same word called from Acts eleven twenty-six. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moving on to Acts chapter 10 in reference to Cornelius and uh, the men that were sent from Cornelius to Peter enabled that Peter could bring in the Gentiles and show that they were accepted on the same levels of Jew. Um, verse 22 of Acts chapter 10, And they said unto Cornelius, and they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God. There it is. Warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into the house and to hear words of thee. And then, of course, moving on to Acts 11, our verse from this morning. And when he had, uh, in referring to Barnabas going to get Paul, for the church at Antioch to evangelize there. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. It came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church 
and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. There's the word. Moving on to Romans 7, verse 3. Paul, in referring to women, a uh, woman living in adultery, So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. Now, I looked at several commentaries, and they all say that this was referring to this word here, speaking of other people saying, generally saying that they are called an adulteress. But that's God who calls her an adulteress. Men may deny it. God calls her an adulteress. And that, to me, that, that refers to divine revelation. Um, moving on to Hebrews chapter 8. Um, and speaking of Moses when he was in the mount, uh, as we looked at in our Bible class this morning, uh, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God. There it is. That word admonished of God, there is the same word we find in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, where it says they were called Christians. Admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern which was showed to thee in the mount. Moving on to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and speaking of Noah, in verse number 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God, there it is, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he went, condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Lastly, last verse, where this word that is translated called in Acts eleven twenty six, in the New Testament, Again, speaking of Moses in Hebrews chapter 12, if you'll just flip one page over there. Um, See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escaped not him, I'm sorry, for if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth. Now there's the word. Now Moses standing in relationship to the people as God, when he spoke and gave, and gave ordinances and directions, that was a divine action that was a divine revelation so in all the instances cited above the reference is to divine revelation unless acts eleven twenty six is the exception and i believe that every one of those verses refers to divine revelation i do not believe that the name christian was a nickname or a term of derision that was given to christians at the church at antioch <clears throat> um now, I want, after looking at those scriptures, I want to make a comparison of the following scriptures. As we were just looking at Romans chapter 7, verse 3, where the word was translated called, and as I said, when it says she shall be called an adulteress, well, we know that that, who, who is it that calls her an adulteress? God is the one that calls her an adulteress. God, that's an action of God right there. Now, with that in mind, I want to turn to the Old Testament and Daniel chapter 9 and look at verse number 19. Here, Daniel in Babylonian captivity and praying for the people. In verse 19 of Daniel chapter 9, he says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do and do. 
Defer not for thine own sake, O my God. Now watch it. For thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Now, in the word Israel, we have the end of the word Israel, El. And we have, that is the root of Elohim, the, na- the Hebrew name for God, which supplies the explanation for the statement in Daniel 9, chapter 19, when it says, Thy people are called by thy name. When God named Jacob Israel, he called his name upon him. Therefore, for one to be in covenant relationship with God in the Old Testament was to be a part of Israel. And every time that name was used, they called God's name upon them. Um, A couple more scriptures from the Old Testament. I want to look at Amos chapter 9. Um, Let's see. Amos chapter 9. Um, in Amos, we have Amos prophesying to the northern kingdom um, about the Assyrian captivity. They were had turned their backs on God at this time. They were going in the wrong direction. And uh, prophesying of the captivity. <clears throat> in verses 11 and 12, Amos sees down the stream of time He sees not only the Assyrian captivity, but he sees the Babylonian captivity and the return. Now, ultimately, this prophecy has its fulfillment in Christ and the gospel. But in chapter, Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, I read, In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen, and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. Verse number 12, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen which are called by my name. Now the heathen there is a reference to the Gentiles, proselytes in the Old Testament who could cast off idolatry and be a part of Israel and therefore be called by his name. With this in mind, turning over to the New Testament in Acts chapter 15, Excuse me. Of course, we, if you remember in Acts chapter 15, we have the question of circumcision. The Jewish Christians trying to bind circumcision on the Gentile converts. The question came up. Peter explained in Acts chapter 15 that God told me not to call any man common or unclean. The Gentiles had been accepted. James, here's what's, what Peter says in the beginning in verse 15. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Yes, beginning in verse 15. Or we'll start in verse 14. Or 13, I'm sorry. Verse 13. James says, And after after that they held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon, or Peter, hath declared how that God at first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets... Now here we are back in Amos 9, 11, and 12 that I just read from, read from. As it is written, After this I'll return. I will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I'll build up the ruins thereof, and I'll set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord who doeth all these things. 
Now, if you'll remember back in Acts chapter 11, the church at Antioch was, was started. That was a Gentile church. Now, Peter, uh, James takes this passage from the Old Testament and applies it to the Gentiles that were converted in Acts chapter 10. Whenever those, uh, and whenever that church was started in Antioch in Acts chapter 11, they had Christ's name called upon them. The name Christian has the name Christ in it, or Christian. Whenever we use the word Christian, we need to remember that we're calling God's name upon us. <clears throat> and so, Acts or Amos 9 and 12 and Acts chapter 15 and 17 are equivalents. I don't see how anybody could look at Acts eleven twenty six at this point and say, how could they? The, the name Christian was just a nickname. I don't see how that they could draw that conclusion. So, somebody may ask, why was this name not given at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? Well, I don't know. And I may not know. But I can think of a reason. Because the name Christian is the sum of Christianity. It sums up what it's all about. Christ is the center of Christianity. Uh, not only that, Christianity is not Jewish. And this is, uh, it's not peculiar to the Jews. This is implied in the very fact that the term most describes, that most describes Christianity was not given until the Gentiles were brought in. Um, and a matter of fact, in Isaiah 62, the word fits the definition of Isaiah 62. Um, in Isaiah 62, Isaiah and prophesying of Christ and the gospel, he says, for, for Zion's sake will I not hold my peace. For Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until brightness thereof go forth as, uh, righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness now, now remember what happened in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius and his household were converted. The Gentiles were brought in. Peter said, I've learned that God told me, don't call any man uncommon or clean. The gospel brought Jew and Gentile together in one body. He said, and the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all the kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Acts 11.26 is a direct fulfillment of that verse. The, the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Um, so those who think that Christianity is offering something yet for the Jews in a special way have not understood Christianity. They have misunderstood Christianity. God is no respecter of persons. <clears throat> now, now I want to look at God's definition of a Christian. And at this point, you can turn over, if you'd like to, to Acts chapter 11. We'll be looking at Acts chapter 11 from here on out. After driving the point home about the word in Acts chapter 11, 26, we want to now look at God's definition of a Christian. Acts chapter 11, I read again, and beginning in verse number 19 through verse 21. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. So 
God's definition of a Christian, we see, is one who has heard the gospel and believed it. They heard the gospel and turned to the Lord. They believed it, they turned to the Lord. And so the question is, why were there no Christians in Antioch prior to this time? Simply because they had not heard the gospel and believed it. Um, Only those that believed the gospel became Christians. There were no more Christians in Antioch than there were people that believed the gospel. It's as simple as that. The gospel is the power of God into salvation, Romans 1.16. And what was true in Antioch is true of Chattanooga, Tennessee, this nation, all throughout this world. If we realize that the gospel is what it takes and it's the seed of the kingdom, then it'll produce the same thing today that it produced then. Um, Moving on, um, we'll look at Acts 11, verse number 20 in focus here. And some of them, which were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And so a Christian is one who is indebted to others. Uh, Someone had to bring the gospel to Antioch. It just did not magically appear. God did not just write the book of Acts and say, you know, this just fell into place. This was something that happened that, you know, this was something that took effort. You know, it's, it's interesting to me that in the Great Commission in John, he asked Peter, do you love me, three times. And, you know, in other words, Jesus was saying, I'm leaving it in your hands, the apostles. And this applies to us too. We're not apostles, but this applies to us. He said, I want this to be the underlying, the motivating factor in carrying the gospel to the world. And so it, they, they were indebted to people. And uh, at Antioch, they were indebted to those who brought the gospel to them. Um, if those who came to Antioch had always stayed in Jerusalem, there never would have been a church in Antioch. You know, if we, we get in our comfort zone. We don't like to step outside of our comfort zone. I understand that. I'm the same way. <laughs> you know, I like to get in my groove, and I don't like to get out of my comfort zone. But, you know, they evangelized in the New Testament in, in the book of Acts. And they they felt it was necessary to, to do that for God. Um, so if those who... Uh, came to Antioch if they had remained silent you know they came and they preached the gospel but let's say they remained silent there still would have been no church at Antioch so we need to be able to as you know Matthew 10 32 and 33 says to confess Christ that means not only referring to a specific confession this refers to a manner of life and to to always be able to be ready to you know answer the reason of the hope that is within us to, to people who want to know Uh, Then again, in every place where there is a congregation, um, the people that constitute that that congregation are indebted to someone somewhere for bringing the gospel to that community. The congregation here at White Oak, the congregation where I'm a member at Udawal, we owe owe that congregation to somebody that brought the gospel to that community. Um, Then again, the people in Antioch should have been and no doubt were grateful to those who brought the gospel to them. So we need to be grateful for people who have brought the gospel to us and people in the past, those of the restoration movement and um, people who have brought the gospel to our communities. We need to, we need to be mindful of that and, and not, not just um, see that as something light or, or small. We need to really see the importance of that. 
um, then we should we should never forget those who have made it possible for us to have the gospel. Next, a Christian, as defined by God, is one who wants to share the gospel with others. Again, in verse number 20 of Acts 11, some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. So this is one of the characteristics of Christianity, wanting to share the gospels with other people. In reality, the book of Acts is not necessarily a book of conversions. That's, it, it does have conversions in it, but that's not primarily the main focus in the book of Acts. Um, it's a book on sharing redemption. That, that's what the heart of the book of Acts is about. I mean, think about who are the main characters. You know, the apostles, those who are preaching the gospel, those who are going out and evangelizing. Um, though the principles of conversion are found in the book, um, this is because we see the church sharing the gospel with the lost. <clears throat> so we've seen in the church today what to do to be saved. But we have uh, not seen what it means to be saved. Uh, I believe that one of the main weaknesses in the church today is the fact that when people in the world look at our lives, they, don't not, they, they do not see the peace and the contentment and the joy of Christianity. You know, it's one thing to say that, yes, we go by the Bible, and that's true, we, and that's right, and that's well. We, we believe in repentance, confession, and baptism. We believe in taking the Lord's Supper every fresh day of the week and singing without mechanical instruments or music, and that's all well and good. But we need to make sure that as we go and shout it from the rooftops, that we make sure our lives are in tune and that, we, and that they can see the joy of Christianity in our lives. Um, so one that is not interested in sharing the gospel with others is not a Christian as defined by God. Uh, next point, a Christian is one that talks Bible. In verse number 19 of Acts chapter 11, it says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, in Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. This word translated preaching in verse number 19 in the King James Version is translated speaking in the American Standard Version. The idea is that they simply spoke about the gospel. They simply spoke the Bible. And they spoke about the word. And 1 Peter 4 verse 11 says, If any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. You know, when we're talking to people, we talk about each other. We talk about um, politics. We talk about the weather. But after all that God has done for us, how often do we talk about God? How often do we talk about the Bible? And I know this from experience that it doesn't come up very much. And um, even Christians, when together, very seldom talk about the Bible. That ought not be, brethren. We need to realize that we have been redeemed from sin. 
we have been brought into fellowship with God. And we need to be sure that, and I'm not saying 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and every minute of the day, but we need to be sure that sometimes we talk Bible. We need to be people who know how to talk Bible and, and have it and to let it, people know that that's what is on our heart and on our mind. Next, a Christian is one, as defined by God, who is not concerned about who gets the credit for, that, for the good that is done. You'll notice in verses 19 and 20 of Acts chapter 11, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution of Stephen that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. The only name mentioned in that verse is Stephen. And he was not among those that started the church in Antioch. We don't know who started the church in Antioch, but it was the outstanding congregation of Acts. Is not the very silence as the names of those who started the church in Antioch a rebuke to preeminence loving and self-seeking brethren today? When I leave today, I don't want you thinking about what I said. My prayer is that you think about Christ and His words. And that ought to be the goal and the motivation of every Christian. We ought not be concerned about getting our name and being recognized. You know, Jesus said that he that is greatest among you, let him be your servant. It's okay to have recognition, but it needs to be done in the proper way. Um, really, God is the one who got credit for beginning the church at Antioch, and he's the only one we should be concerned about getting credit anyways, when it boils right down to it, when it gets right down to it. These men may have never, that started the church of Antioch, they may have never written their names in the history books, but they wrote them in the book of life. What's to be compared with it? There's nothing in this world to trade for it. Next, a Christian is one who is not a quitter. In Acts chapter 11, verse 19, it says, They which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word. Now I want you to note the word scattered and the words persecution. <clears throat> they knew the value of being a Christian. And it was worth any price. They were willing to give their very lives to preach the gospel. Um, if you compare this to what little things will cause Christians to quit today, you know, uh, this, is, this is really soul-searching. Oh, the preacher didn't shake my hand. So-and-so didn't say hi to me. They've changed the order of worship. And then we say we're Christians. We say we're going to heaven. We need to think about that. We need to be careful. Paul said in Philippians 2, let all things be done without murmurings and complainings. We need to be careful. We need to, we need to really be sure that our motivation is right and to you know, 
be content. Next, a Christian is one with a supreme purpose. Verse number 23 of Acts 11, and speaking of Barnabas, it says, Who when he came and seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. There's power and purpose. When the world looks in on the church, they ought to see that we are outliving them and we ought to outlive any other group of individuals on this earth. We ought to be able to show them that we have purpose in our life, that we know what life is all about and keep that ever before us. Now, the meaning of Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of his righteousness, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, the meaning of that is not that no one, that one never does anything but attends services, but rather that everything he does do is adapted to that end. We need to always keep Christ in front of us. That's our, that, that's our purpose. This is the meaning of Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Do you think Paul knew about anything else besides Christ? He was educated. He was schooled at the feet of Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee. He knew the law. He knew he was educated. The meaning of this statement is that everything, not that he only knew nothing but just about Christ, but everything was related to this overriding motive. He felt the pressure, as we all do, to be like the world, to try to relate to the world. But Paul said, I knew nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He was not about to let the Pharisees or this group or this group move him in the wrong direction. He knew the purpose of Christianity. In Philippians 3, he said, this one thing I do. Did Paul, did Paul ever do anything besides preach the gospel or evangelize or, or anything like that? No. It's not that Paul just did one thing, but everything he did was ruled by this principle. He understood what it meant to be a Christian. And so Christ is the center of a Christian's life. Next, God's definition of a Christian. A Christian is one that cleaves. A Christian is one that cleaves unto the Lord. Again in verse 23, when, when he came and seen the grace of God, was glad, exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Now though this, uh, though this is not the same word in the original, we had the same word in the English in Matthew 19, verse chapter four. Uh, verse number 5 where Jesus in speaking of adultery um, marriage and re- divorce and ad- marriage and adultery I can't get my words out this morning <laughs> Jesus in speaking about marriage, divorce and uh, so on he says in verse number 5 for this call shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife so a Christian 
is one who is married to the Lord, if you will. Romans chapter 7, Know you not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over man so long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another. You remember back in Ephesians, Paul comparing the church and us to a Christ as, as uh, the church as his bride? Even to him that is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So, you know, people can't get a divorce for any little old thing. You know, but yet how many want to divorce the Lord for any little old thing? As I was talking about before, being offended or, you know, we need to be careful that we're not too sensitive. Um, there was one woman that came to Jesus and he, he called her a dog. How many of us, if, if we were called that, say by even a Christian, not even by the Lord, make us want to go home and say, well, I think I'm just going to throw the towel in. Um, so, you know, we need to be careful that we're not too sensitive. And uh, so marriage is for life, and so is becoming a Christian. Next, a Christian is one who, where the grace of God is visible in their life. Um, again, in Acts chapter 11, verse number 23 who when he came had seen the grace of God. You know, Barnabas may have wondered as to what effect Christianity had in the lives of the Gentiles, the church of Antioch. Um, if so, when he got to Antioch, he, he, was, he was convinced. It says he saw the grace of God in their life. Uh, Paul, he could see the effect of God's grace in the Macedonians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We make, moreover, brethren, we make known unto you the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Here he is referring to the contribution they had made for the poor saints at Jerusalem. They didn't just say they were Christians. They didn't just say, yes, we, we believe in repentance, confession, and baptism. We deserve the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. Paul said, we make known unto you the grace of God bestowed upon the Macedonians through their works. They're works of faith. Um, so we need to you know, keep that in mind. Uh, next, a Christian is a good person. A Christian is a good person. And speaking of Barnabas, and you know, this is one of my favorite verses. It's one of those verses that's not too much to it, but it's simple. But it, it's something that sticks out to me. Something that's a simple statement, but it's rare these days. You know, but... Um, in verse 24 of Acts chapter 11, it says, For he was a good man. Look how simple that statement is, yet how profound it is. He was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. So Barnabas, um, he was among those named Christians at Antioch. And it says he was a good man. And so a mean Christian is a contradiction of terms. One cannot be a mean father, a mean mother, a mean brother, a mean sister, 
and be a Christian as, as defined by God. Um, you think about the attitude of the elder brother and the prodigal son in Luke 15. Here this, this son had went out and spent his money and wasted it in righteous living. And living in, and it's interesting that Luke, in Luke chapter 15, he pictures the lifestyle of sin as madness. It says, and speaking of the prodigal son, when he came to himself. When we're thinking about trying to live worldly and thinking about, you know, our, our, our grip starts to loosen up on God, we need to think about that. It may look good. Satan has made it look real good, but Luke in chapter 15, he says it was something where the prodigal son, he came, when he came to himself, it was madness. But after having done that and come back home and the father receives him, the elder brother is on the outside, cruel and harsh. How many times do we look at that and say, how could he be like that? But, look at, but how many times are Christians like that one another? How many times do Christians treat their own brethren like that? We, we need to be careful to have the right attitude. Next, a Christian is one that assembles. Verse 26, When he found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church. Um, so the Christians in Chattanooga, Tennessee, throughout the world, they are people who assemble. Um, next, a Christian is one who accepts his responsibility. Verse 29, Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which uh, dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it by elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So every, if you'll note the words, every man determined and according to his ability. They all had a part, and they did it according to their ability. One was not trying to get jealous of this one. They all knew their place. Um, a Christian is one who is in the Lord's church. Again, in Acts 11, 26, uh, they... Uh, it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church. And so there were no Christians at Antioch that were members of any other church. Isaiah, in prophesying of the church and of Christ and the gospel in Isaiah 56, he said, I will give within my house and within my walls a name. Of course, first of all, referring to the temple and being an Israelite at that time in the nation of Israel, um, that looks forward to the church, and the church today is the house of God. First Timothy three fifteen. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of God, the pillar and ground of the church. So, in conclusion, uh, this is God's definition as a Christian. And the question is: Are you a Christian as defined by God? If not. Why not become one today? If you have any needs, I can help you. And if I can't help you, I'm sure there are plenty of people here that can. If you have not obeyed the gospel, you can do so by believing in Jesus Christ. John 8, 24, except you believe that I am He, you shall die in your sins. We must confess Christ, Matthew 10, 32. Whosoever shall confess me before man, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Whoso shall deny me before man, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. We must repent of our sins. Luke 13, 3, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And when the Bible repeats something, 
it means it's important. It says the same thing in verse 5. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Jesus said before he ascended back to the right hand of God, Mark 16, 15 and 16, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you're a Christian and you've started to loosen your grip on God and you have fallen away from His goodness and from His grace, you can be restored back to Him by repentance, confession, and prayer. 1 John 1, 7-10 and Acts 8, 22. If there's anything that I can do for you or we can do for you, please come right now as together we stand and sing.